This podcast does not provide medical advice. Please listen to the complete disclosure at the end of the recording. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyone Dies, the podcast where we talk about serious illness, dying, death, and bereavement. I'm Marianne Matzo, a nurse practitioner, and I use my experience from working as a nurse for 43 years to help answer your questions about what happens at the end of life. And I'm Charlie Navarrete, an actor in New York City, here to ask the questions that you might have while listening to our broadcast. We are both here because we believe that the more you know, the better prepared you are to make difficult end-of-life decisions for yourself or a loved one. So please relax. Get yourself a little something to eat and drink. Cake, tea, whiskey. Whiskey. Whatever mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. you happy. Sure. And thank you for spending the next hour with Charlie and me. In the first half, we have our recipe of the week from Charlie. In the second half, I'm going to be talking about the purpose of having a funeral. And in our third half, well, Charlie has a few dad jokes about funerals. Thank you very much. Charlie, what am I going to do with you? I don't know. So, what's our recipe for the week? Who doesn't love a brownie? I love brownies. Okay, I don't see any raised hands, so I'm going to assume everybody loves brownies. Fudgy chocolate, nuts, no nuts, maybe some frosting. Mm -mm -mm. Every funeral lunch needs at least one death by chocolate. Dessert. Dun, dun, dun. Why not try these, Alice Medrick? You can even make them more fudgy from a quick ice bath just after baking. The cookbook does not specify who or what jumps into the ice bath, so uh, make brownies (laughs) at your own risk. The shock causes the batter to contract and concentrate, intensifying its character. My character would be shriveled. But bake the brownies (laughs) in a metal pan as glass can crack with the temperature change. Nuts are optional. Not in New York City. (laughs) With this, would you like a copy of this recipe? Of course you do. So please go to our webpage for the recipe and additional resources for this program. Follow us, won't you? On Facebook and Instagram. And remember to rate and review this podcast. As a licensed nonprofit organization, we are dependent on your kindness, ladies and gentlemen and always appreciate your donations, which are tax-deductible. Please go to our webpage to donate in support of our work, www.everyonedies.org. That's every, the number one, dies.org. Marianne? Thanks, Gerald. So rituals are symbolic activities that help us, together with our families and our friends, express our deepest thoughts and feelings about life's most important events. When a child is born, um, like in the Catholic faith, they have baptisms, and other faiths too, they'll have a baptism of that child and that child's acceptance into the church family. Birthday parties honor the passing of another year in the life of someone we love. Weddings publicly affirm the private love shared by two people. The funeral ritual is also public, a traditional and symbolic means of expressing our beliefs, thoughts, and feelings about the death of someone we loved. From celebrating a life at a traditional service to commiserating over stiff drinks and great food, funerals can be as 
austere or as extravagant as you'd like them to be or as you can afford them to be. The funeral ceremony helps us acknowledge the reality of the death, gives testimony to the life of the deceased, encourages the expression of grief in a way consistent with the culture's values, provides support to mourners, allows for the bracing, embracing of life and beliefs about life and death, and offers continuity and hope for the living. Unfortunately, our mourning and voiding culture has to a large extent forgotten these crucial purposes of the meaningful funeral. I've frequently heard from people with terminal illnesses, and even those that don't have a terminal illness, that they do not want to have a funeral. They don't want people to make a fuss. They don't want to have people spend the money. Um, Well, you know, they're not going to be there. The funeral is for the living. And I'd like to suggest that those who are dying not interfere with this important ritual. I get that we like things to be private. But we live in a community, and we die in a community, and funerals give the community a time to come together to grieve. Because the more we can share our grief, the more we can allow others to reach out to us. And the more we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and accept help and love, the healthier we can walk through our bereavement. So there's purposes for a funeral. It's not just... um, oh, what the heck, they died, now we have to have a funeral. There's purposes. And first is to acknowledge the reality of the death. On a psychological level, funerals and disposition, especially when the body is present, help us to see and to accept the death. Without a funeral that acknowledges the death of our loved ones, the death can too easily become psychological ghosts. Funerals transition the deceased from alive to dead. And help us on the path to accepting the death of a loved one. When someone we love dies, we must openly acknowledge the reality and the finality of the death so that we can move forward with our grief. I had a wonderful good friend of mine who just dropped dead suddenly while gardening. And her child called me and said, here's here's what happened. Um, We're going to create cremate mom and send her ashes back home up north. And I said, you know, honey, are you going to go see her first? And she said, no, they'll, they'll just cremate her first. And I said, I really, really think that you need to see her because the last time you saw her was alive. You haven't seen her dead. I mean, our brains need to be able to sort of see the evidence that that's happened. And I said, do you want me to get on a plane and come do that with you. And she said, okay. So get on a plane, fly down to Florida. And we said to the, you know, they had done an autopsy to try to figure out why she died. And we said, here's, here's what we want. You know, we just want to be able to go in for her to be able to see that in fact her mom was dead. And it's just really important as in the adults in people's lives when you're in a situation where somebody says, oh, we're just going to cremate her and, you know, nobody's going to go see them first, it's really important to say, well, wait a minute, you know, or maybe have them listen to the show. There's purposes in seeing that that person is actually dead. Typically, we embrace the reality of death in sort of two phases. First, we acknowledge the death with our minds. 
We're told that someone we loved has died, and intellectually, at least, we understand the fact of the death. But over the course of the following days and weeks, we begin to acknowledge the reality of the death in our hearts, and that's the second phase of that. Funeral ceremonies can serve as wonderful points of departure for head understanding of the death. Intellectually, funerals teach us that someone we loved is now dead, even though up until the funeral, we may have denied this fact. When we contact the funeral home, set set up a time for the service, plan the ceremony, view the body, perhaps even choose clothing and jewelry for the body, we cannot avoid acknowledging that the person has died. When we see the casket being lowered into the ground, we are witnesses to death's finality. And, you know, we've talked about all the different ways of um, having those funeral rites and, and burial or not. So, you know, fill in the gaps for yourself in terms of what is that final thing that says, yes, I'm, I'm seeing this. This death is final. This person has died. Now, the second purpose of a funeral is to move toward the pain of the loss. Healthy grief means expressing our painful thoughts and feelings. And funeral ceremonies allow us to do just that. People tend to cry, even sob and wail at funerals, because funerals force us to concentrate on the fact of the death and our feelings, often excruciatingly painful about that death. For at least an hour or two, longer for mourners who plan the ceremony or attend the visitation, those attending the funeral are not able to intellectualize or distance themselves from the pain of great grief. To their credit, funerals also provide us with an acceptable venue for our painful feelings. They are perhaps the only time and place, in fact, during which we condone such openly outward expression of our sadness. Now, the third purpose of a funeral is to remember the person who died. To heal in grief, we must shift our relationship with the person who died from one of physical presence to one of memory. A funeral encourages us to begin this shift. It provides a natural time and place for us to think about the moments we shared, good and bad, with the person who died. Like no other time before, or after death, the funeral invites us to focus on our relationship with a loved one, single person, and to share those memories with others. Death creates a hole in our lives and in our world. It's like an earthquake that shakes the world we once knew. Funerals are a time that we can reaffirm meaning, love, and community. They allow us the space to come together and admit and see what has changed and how we're going to continue on. Funerals are a storytelling practice that keeps the identity of our family alive, even when one of the members has died. At traditional funerals, the life of the deceased, the characteristics that they most prominently displayed are there for us to see. They're intimate, individualized memories. Later, after the ceremony, uh, there can be time for people to informally chat about the person who died. And this, too, is meaningful. Throughout our grief journeys, the more we're able to tell the story um, and remember those memories of the person, 
the more likely we are to be able to reconcile our grief. The sharing of memories at the funeral affirms the worth we placed on the person. It allows us to glimpse into a person's life that we can cherish forever. There are few things that are more gratifyingly awkward and entertaining than a spontaneous drunk eulogy. Another reason for a funeral is to develop a new self-identity. Another primary reconciliation needed of mourning is the development of a new identity, that identity without that person. We are all social beings whose lives are given meaning in um, relation to the lives of the people around us. We're friends, we're siblings, we're spouses, we're parents. And when someone who's close to us dies, who I am myself is changed and defined and, and move, move, sort of moves on as a result of that death. The funeral helps us to begin this difficult process of development of a new self-identity because it provides a social venue for public acknowledgement of new roles. If you're a parent of a child and that child dies, the funeral marks the beginning of your life as a former parent in the physical sense. You'll always have the relationship through memory. Others attending the funeral are in effect saying, we acknowledge your changed identity and we want you to know we still care for you. On the other hand, in situations where there is no funeral, the social group does not know how to relate to the person whose identity has changed and often that person feels socially abandoned. In addition, having supportive friends and family around us at the time of the funeral helps us realize that we literally still exist. This identity issue is illustrated by comments bereaved will make when they say things like, when she died, I felt like a part of me died too. Another reason for a funeral is a search for meaning. When someone we love dies, we naturally question the meaning of life and death. Why did this person die? Why now? Why this way? Why does it have to hurt so much? What happens after death? To heal in death, we must explore these types of questions if we are to become reconciled in our grief. In fact, we have to first ask these why questions to decide why we should go on living before we can ask ourselves how we will go on living. This does not mean that we have to find definitive answers, only that we need the opportunity to think and feel things through. On a more important level, the funeral reinforces one central fact in our existence. We will die. Like living, dying is a natural and unavoidable process. The funeral helps us search for meaning in the life and death of the person who died, as well as in our own lives and impending deaths. Each funeral we attend serves as sort of a dress rehearsal for our own. Funerals are a way in which we as individuals and as a community convey our beliefs and values about life and death. The very fact of a funeral demonstrates that death is important to us. For the living to go on as living fully and as healthy as possible, this is how it should be. We're not supposed to die with the person who died. Our role is to go on living. Lastly, 
Another purpose of a funeral is to receive ongoing support from others. The walls of bereavement are very intimidating to even the spiritually and the psychologically strong. It doesn't matter how strong you are. You will fail and you will fall. Unless you enter through the trodden paths of this ritual, the muscle memory of grief is ritual. Ritual allows us to take the incredibly difficult task of mourning and gives us a way to persevere even when it seems like we shouldn't. Funerals are a public means of expressing our beliefs and feelings about the death of a loved one. In fact, funerals are the public venue for offering support to others and being supported in grief, both at the time of the funeral and into the future. Funerals make a social statement that says, come support me. Whether they realize it or not, those who choose not to have a funeral are saying, don't come support me. Funerals let us physically demonstrate our support too. Ours is not a demonstrative society, but at funerals, we're allowed to embrace, to touch, to comfort. Words are inadequate, so we nonverbally demonstrate our support. This physical show of support is one of the most important healing aspects of a funeral ceremony. Finally, and most simply, funerals serve as a central gathering place for mourners. When we care about someone who died or their family members, we attend the funeral if possible. Our physical presence is our most important show of support for the living. By attending the funeral, we let someone know that they are not alone in their grief. Lastly, there's also the free food from the post-funeral luncheon. There's Aunt Teresa's potato salad, Uncle Joe's chicken, Grandma's macaroni and cheese. Oh, Charlie, would you pass those brownies? Sure. Yes. Yes. Any thoughts about that, Charles? No. No, not not really. There's nothing that I like. Um, no, not really. There, there's nothing that that I can add to that. Um, everything you said is is just very true. You know, and people just process, you know, death and grieving in their own way. I mean, nobody says, "Oh boy, I get to go to a funeral today." Um, it's not something that that you necessarily look forward to, but it's important. It's important to show up. And my, when my mom died, you know, I, they bought that, the house that I grew up in right after World War II. And uh-huh. they bought it brand new and, you know, she had lived in it for 40 some years. And, you know, I'm at, I'm at that funeral. I don't live in Michigan anymore. I've, gone for quite a while now but I mean this kid that not a kid anymore but this kid who lived across the street from us who I used to walk to the school bus with every day showed up and it was like oh my gosh wow you know I I I didn't recognize him because I hadn't seen him in you know god knows how many years 30 years but it was like oh my gosh these you know these people they know that my mom had died and, and they showed up and that was pretty impressive to me and, and I and I appreciated that. 
Yeah, when my when my mother died too, it's again I haven't lived lived in. Uh, I mean, I left Michigan decades ago, uh, but of course, all my family is there. So when when my mother died, it was, it was the same thing. They were friends, you know, of my mother's, or and and even just like cousins. I mean, we had not seen each other in in so long, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, everyone was there. It was nice. I mean that that part it of is. it. That part of it was nice. Yeah. It has it has a reason, and I think it's an an important reason. It doesn't have to be at a funeral home. It doesn't have. It can be any right. Exactly. Yeah. Celebration of life that you want it to be, and there are even people who have their celebration of life while they're still alive, so that they mm-hmm. can hear yeah. everything that yeah. people yes. have to yeah. say about them. Yeah. So, um, but still, still that celebration of life is really kind of for, if I'm having it, it's for me because I want to hear what everyone has to say and I want to eat the food that they make and, you know, dance and do whatever. But the funeral part, even if I've had that celebration of life, the, the people who will mourn me will still need that piece of it and it shouldn't be denied them. True. Even if they don't know they need it, they need it. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's it. I know it's the stuff of movies and TV shows, but yeah, when I don't know a, a week later or several years later, it just suddenly hits you. Yeah. So whether mm-hmm. you 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 are conscious of it or not, like you said, it's just about that closure to you know, to to be there, you know, at the end to see the person dead, see that you know that. Is, is literally the the last chapter, and that book is closed. And in our usual um, yin yang of everyone dies, we go from funerals to humor about funerals, Charlie. So I, I take my seat at the World Cup. Actually, it's the final. And I look over and I see that there's a seat between me and the, and the next guy. So I say to him, man, who would ever miss the World Cup final? And the guy says, well, you know, that's my wife's seat. We've been to the last five World Cup finals together, but sadly she passed away. I say, man, that's terrible. Couldn't you get another close family member to come with you? You know, the guy says, no, they're all at the funeral. I kind of like that one. These are such dad jokes. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, a man and his friend uh, were fishing by the river when a funeral procession approached. The man stood up, took off his hat, and waited for the procession to pass, and then sat back down. And his friend said, man, that was very respectful of you. Very nice. And the guy said, well, we were married for 40 years. <laughs> there you go. I got a chuckle out of you. Good. You know, the inventor of the throat lozenges has died. There'll be no coffin no. at his funeral. <laughs> oh, good, even a bigger laugh. What happened at the funeral of the man who invented the USB? They lowered his coffin, took it out, flipped it the other way around, then lowered it again. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm just, I'm, then, I, then my experience is you have to take mm-hmm. it out and flip it right back to the original way you had it, and it works, right? 
I'm going to take your uh, word for it. I think we would have to check with David. He would know for sure. But uh, yeah. I was at a funeral and asked the priest for the Wi-Fi password. Have some respect for the dead, he said. I replied, is that all lowercase? Uh, as long as I can laugh. <laughs> a famous heart surgeon died, and everyone was gathered at his funeral. A coffin was displayed in front of a huge heart. When the minister finished with the sermon, and after everyone had paid their respects, the heart was opened, the coffin rolled inside, and the heart closed. Just at that moment, one of the mourners started laughing. The guy next to him said, Control yourself. Hey, I'm sorry, he replied. I was thinking about my own funeral. Well, what's so funny about that? I'm a gynecologist. <laughs> <laughs> and on that happy note, uh, please stay tuned for the continuing saga of Everyone Dies. And thank you for listening. On, uh, on last week's uh, podcast, I read a letter from satirist and journalist P.J. O'Rourke uh, who had written to Peter Sagal, host of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, regarding the death of Sagal's mother. This week, uh, I'd like to read the second response from O'Rourke regarding grief. Dear Peter, Yes, everyone does go through this eventually, but I'm not sure the eventually makes it easier. The foreseen is more frightening for its inevitability, and being an everybody is a lonely enterprise. You don't exactly get over it, an offensive phrase under any circumstances. But the grief in time does turn into a nostalgic ache that is almost comforting. As you've heard me tell, my dad died when I was not quite nine and my mother when I was 25. I still miss them. But the good thing, well, good as these things go, is that it's been so long ago that they've become perfect in my memory. That's a thin condolence, I know, but, um, but you know, big, fat condolences are as inappropriate as getting over it advice. Mm -hmm. This is Charlie Navarrete. So long until next time. And I'm Marianne Matzo, and we'll see you next week. Remember, it's not all about you, and every day is a gift. This podcast does not provide medical advice. All discussion on this podcast, such as treatments, dosages, outcomes, charts, patient profiles, advice, messages, and any other discussion are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Always seek the advice of your primary care practitioner or other qualified health providers with any questions that you may have regarding your health. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard from this podcast. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. Everyone Dies does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, practitioners, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned in this podcast. Reliance on any information provided in this podcast by persons appearing on this podcast at the invitation of Everyone Dies or by other members is solely at your own risk.